Hello and welcome to We're Not Singing Anymore. We're three mates, we're all in different parts of the country, all in lockdown, in isolation, and all passionate about football and passionate about music, be that soul, blues, country, rock and roll, gospel, and who knows what else besides. We've got no gigs to go to, we've got no football matches to go to, so every week we agreed to uh, talk to each other, But instead of just moaning every week about how bored we all were in lockdown, what we thought we'd do is pick a theme and come armed with a a memory, a story or just something to laugh about based on that theme. We split the podcast in two halves. So there's a half. The first half is about football. The second half is about music. And we publish them as two separate mini podcasts so people can listen to the one that that they particularly want to listen to. This particular half... Is about football, and although we're Blades, two Blades and one Sunderland fan, we hope the stories are interesting enough for, for other people to enjoy as well. So, let's get going. Okay, here we are. Um, we're, it's, uh, what date is it? It's the 3rd of June. Good grief. And uh, we've had our, uh, we've had a slight relaxation in, uh, in, our, uh, in the rules. So we're, we're sat in gardens with a few people. Have you, have you been sat in gardens? Tom? I've been sat in my own, yeah. 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 Charlie? Strange. I've gone into strangers' gardens. Yeah. You know, just just for the hell of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just like you always did, in fact. Yeah, yeah that's right. I just not right. people's... It, it's nice to see that burglar is back in. You, you, can, you can go back to work, Charlie. That's... I, was, I was worried about the crime rate going down <laughs> <laughs> anyway as, as i think it would be obvious to anybody who's been, been listening finding a theme that that gives us something to talk about not exactly getting easier as times times gone on and uh, and this week i could that people will i think when i sent the note out with an idea um we, we were introduced to a theory that i've i've been developed over the years um I've been thinking about writing a paper on it or a PhD or something. Um, as Tony Hancock would say, I, I just never got, never, never quite got <laughs> round to it. Uh, and that's the theory of milk and cream. And, and at any point in time, you sort of see and you really like artists, footballers, or it's the first game and you think, wow, they're looking great. But it, over time, you think back and reflect and you think, most of this stuff that I thought was really good was okay, and it was quite palatable. It was milk, but it never quite got to that level of real quality. Only a handful, be they footballers or musicians or bands or whatever, team to get to that bit that you go, no, they, they really were class. And I thought they were, and they ended up that way. So with that theme confusing the hell out of all of us, we set about... Um, we set about looking for examples of who was the milk and who was the cream. So as is customary before we get going, I'm going to ask all of us to just give a little, a little summary of, um, of, of what we've got to talk about to intrigue our 
well, let's face it, multi-millions of, of listeners now uh, uh, in, in what this is probably going to be a, um, a BAFTA-winning uh, podcast, I can only assume, based on the feedback. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, I, I have been approached by people ask, asking you to nominate, you know, to uh, the relevant authorities. Oh, this, they're, so, they're so impressed by it. <laughs> right, anyway, instead of all that BS, what, 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 what you got, Charlie? Um, two players. Yeah. Um, one player could be said he's made a rod well for his own back. Uh, and the other one defied, defied the odds. Right. <laughs> Very cryptic. I think people will be, be scratching their heads over that. Um, I've got, what have I got? I've, I've got um, almost, almost a case of mistaken identity and, well, someone who could just do magic. That's all I can say. Tony? I've got milk and cream, and there's milk and cream even at the highest level. So both mine are English internationals. So, um, but one I think is milk, one's cream. Okay, excellent. Right, well, let's get cracking then. Um, I'm going to start, and I'm not. I'm going to ask Tony to try and answer this, but I'm going to see if if, if Charlie can get the answer. To, to All right. This. Right. Um, uh, and this is a, a player who's currently playing. Doesn't play for us, but he's a fullback. It was born in Sheffield. He's still playing now. He came through our academy. It was signed by Tottenham. He's got an ill England pedigree. And if I can't make it any clearer, he's called Kyle. Would you like to guess who I might be talking about? Does he, is he connected with crisps? <laughs> is, it, is it Kyle Walker? Incorrect. Oh, it's I'm the sorry. Kyle. I'm sorry, you're wrong. And I think that is indeed my point. Uh, it's, it's, it's Kyle Norton. Now, All right. Kyle Norton, he, uh, he played for the England under-21s. He had nine games. He, he had a debut. He played for us against uh, a debut versus Watford in September 2008. Tony, you'll probably remember it. We won 2-1. Mm -hmm. He got the man of the... I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought, wow, we brought this lad through. Um, he was first choice right back, occasionally going to midfield. He was voted that year Young Player of the Year. He was runner-up for the player of the year in his first season. And he was up for a championship PFA player of the year award. He got signed by Tottenham. Uh, we missed out on, uh, would you believe it? We missed out on the playoffs, but we had to sell. We sold them both to Tottenham, him and Kyle Walker. And uh, of course, you know, anybody listening to this podcast will know that I'm, you know, I have my, finger on the pulse of the game um and and i'm sure a, i'm sure a punditry contract will be coming in any time for one of the big broadcasters uh yeah they went to tottenham and i told my mate i said it was a tottenham fan i'm telling you now kyle norton he's the real deal he's the better player of these two they're both good don't get me wrong but he is something else needless to say kyle walker played for tottenham made it into the first team 
went on playing for England and got signed by Pep Guardiola to play for Manchester City. Whilst my hot tip, Kyle Norton, went to Middlesbrough on loan, Leicester on loan, Norwich and Swansea. Now, the thing is, I, 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 it's, I think it's important, this, and I think Tony has alluded to it. He's a good player and he's had a good career. So this is not a, you know, we're not, we're not here saying, oh, what a dead loss he was, because he wasn't a dead loss. He's had a very good career. But he really, I really, really thought, I don't know what you think, Tony, I thought he was good. I thought he looked a real class act and he would be, uh, you know, he'd be the one. But as it turned out, he wasn't. He was a bit milk and not cream. Yeah, it's good. It's a good contrast, Jeff. And um, it brings into what I've been thinking about the two players I'm going to talk about as well. Is well, what is it? Is it just talent? Yeah. What what can you can you put your finger on it as to did did he have the you know thinking about Wilder? Did he have the right managers at the right time for him? It's it's imponderable, really, and you can't you can't come up with the answer. Um, no, you can't. What 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 you know? What changes or what what's the difference between them? Yeah, I, and and I think all sorts of things, isn't it? Uh, Charlie, sorry, what were you thinking? Yeah, I, I was just going to ask. Did he have any significant injuries, or is, or is it was it a pretty clear way for him when he moved from club to club? As far as you know, just just curious. Yeah, sometimes that, that becomes a an issue, doesn't it, in terms of your your, your progress, confidence, uh, physicality? Mm. I don't think it did. No. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Physicality. Mm. Yeah. You know, Walker's a much more dominating physical specimen. Yes. Yeah. Um, speed, pace. Um, you know, is, is it aggressive in a. It, it, I would say Walker's an aggressive player, but an aggressive in a. In a good way, um, maybe yes. you know, maybe maybe physicality came into it, Charlie. Yeah, at the highest level. I, I suspect you're right there. Thinking actually, Charlie, I, th I think I, th I think you're right because uh, Kyle Norton it was always a sl much slighter player, wasn't he? I think also uh, you're you're right. It's about about the opportunity that he got and, and and what manager he came under. I mean, if you look at him playing for Manchester City, uh, uh, so I'm talking about Kyle Walker now. He very much plays to a pattern. It looks as if Peps almost said, this is what I want you to do, and this is what yeah. I don't want you to do, you know. Because um, he, he, I, I noticed what, I take a fascination in watching him, he, he cuts inside a lot. He doesn't, yeah. bomb, he doesn't bomb on. He does bomb on, but only at certain times, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe. It, it reminds me of... Uh... A Brian Clough story where and I can't think who the player is and uh, can't remember whether I've read it or I've been told this but uh, there was uh, I think it was a part of mine uh, Ian whose uh, son played for Barnsley and I think a lad that he, he played with uh, played for Clough at Nottingham Forest you know coming through as it were and one of the things that uh, uh, Clough asked him to do is I just want you to do this I don't want you to do that. S similar sort of thing. <laughs> but the lad ventured forward and I think he scored a couple of goals, if not three goals, right? So Clough subs him and bollocks him for not doing what I told you to do. 
<laughs> I think, do you know what? I think I've heard peps like that, you know, where yeah. people have had, you know, because, you know, I moved, I moved from square 6B to 6C and I'm yeah. not supposed to. I mean, I scored, but yeah. I also think it'd be interesting, wouldn't it, under Wilder? Um, I, I could imagine Carl Norton, you know, doing that sort of right wing back job. Yeah, really, really rather well un, under the Wilder yeah. system. Whereas I'm not sure he'd sign Kyle Walker. I'm not sure what role that we have that he would play. I suppose an overlapping wing back, but not at this stage of his career. It's it's, it's interesting. Sorry, we it's just, funny how Kyle Walker's played in the in the middle, isn't he? Um, yes, yeah. England latterly, and I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't swap him for any of our central three. And the thing that Man City has got massive, massive uh, competition, and he doesn't play every game by any means. No, no he doesn't. You know, it's a real interesting comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I got to talk about the real cream, and uh, and for my people of my generation, I think, um, I think without doubt, we would say the best player we've ever seen pull on a, a shirt is, of course, uh, Tony Curry. I think I think he's the only player that's been at Bramall Lane that, without any hint of hyperbole, I could say was he was actually a footballing genius. He was just magnificent, um, like like so many, uh, someone we idolised and then sold uh, to Leeds, of course. Uh, I mean, a bit like Tony, all our class acts we ship up to ship up to Leeds. It's all right, I just got it, Jeff. It's all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, TC, he, he, he hails from the northwest of London. Uh, he was picked up by QPR as a schoolboy and then, then dropped by them about 15. He played a bit of non league, and, and then our then manager, John, John Harris, signed him as an 18 year old for the princely sum of £26,500. Uh, you were at his debut, I take it, uh, Tony? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, remember it. Remember it well. Yeah, um, it was it two one. Was it two one two two? Um, three two. Three two. Tottenham, wasn't it? Tottenham. Yeah, could you believe? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he scored. Uh, I was there. I think the main thing that we also was like a maturity beyond his years in that very first game. Uh, uh, and John Harris built a team round him. And, and we won Division Two and got up to uh, got up to the old prep, first division, Premier League as it is now, and really, really rattled it the first year back. Uh, and he yeah. was he was really a, a fantastic uh, uh, part of that. And he developed something uh, uh, which which was which was called the Curry Shuffle locally, which was a sort of a step over, faint from one foot to the other. Uh, with the wrong foot type of thing, or we all tried to do it in the playground, it fell over, you know. Can you do it, yeah? I could do, but seeing as yeah. this is seeing as this is a not a visual medium, I'll yeah. I'll, 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 I'll not do it. I might put it on YouTube. Uh, so we do the curry shuffle, blow a kiss to the crowd, which he did on a regular basis, before hitting the sort of pinpoint ball 30, 40 yards to Bill Deard and all. Alan Woodward, yeah, Charlie. Uh, sorry, Tony. I might be stealing your Sunday here, but but also sit on the ball mid-game. 
You are indeed. Yeah, I am still in your Sunday. You Go. are indeed. Yes, this is one for you, Charlie. Old Blades fans will remember this, but uh, maybe the younger ones won't. But you certainly won't. Um, yeah, it was a, a Alan Ball. There was a bit of a, there was a bit of um, a bit of history here. Alan Ball had sort of slagged, slagged the team off a little bit, and they played as uh, at Bramble. I think they beat us five 0 didn't they, uh, Tony? And Alan Ball at one point sat on the ball. Uh, next season. Um, Next season, we played them again, and we were four 0 up after nineteen minutes. <laughs> so, so t- TC, as he was known, went 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 dribbling up up the wing, did his shuffle, and I think he was being encouraged by some people down down on the terrace, if <laughs> I remember rightly. So he did, in fact, uh, he did, in fact, stop, put his foot on it, sat on the ball, and sort of waved him on. It was a great moment. Yeah, played for England, not enough. It was absolute class. Uh, really was class. Went to Leeds, and he was good, great for them as well. To be fair, um, ended up at QPR. I had quite a few problems, I think, both uh, you know personally, and then I started to get a lot of injuries. Started to try and extend his uh, his career in in the lower leagues, and it didn't really happen for him. We've already already said, I think, in a previous pod, when they had a. a um, we had latterly had a, a testimonial game for him. Uh, he was on his uppers a bit there. You know, Twenty thousand people turned up. He was, uh, yeah, he sort of faded out at the end of his career, but he was absolute class, and he he lives still lives in Sheffield. He was our community officer for a, a while, wasn't he? So mm-hmm. um, that's it. Definitely cream. Yeah, I, th- I think I saw him play probably a couple of times but again just one of these players who you know has it yes. um, shows class and yeah I'm surprised because I'm, I'm not sure how many times he played for England but again one of these players who probably should have played uh, played more but mm. for whatever reason mm-hmm. yeah he's not, he's, he was the, one of those of that era a maverick wasn't he maverick yeah yeah, yeah. you know like it was, it, it could be disciplined, but it was it was, it was like Rodney Marsh and um, Dan Bowles, Dan Bowles, yeah, uh, all, all that that era threw up quite a few, aren't they? Having said that, I can't remember any of my own. Well, there was Frank you know, Worthington, Leticia to a degree, Frank Worthington, yeah, similar yeah. thing. And it's just in in the I mentioned the the, the book uh, which I've, uh, I've talked about before, uh, Blade Runners. Lives in yeah, yeah. lives yeah. in football. Uh, there's a chapter on him in there, and uh, he said that one of the things he said is he, he got a, a, a bit of a reputation as a of lazy. Uh, he said, but he said I wasn't lazy. He said, I, I absolutely loved training. He said I, I, I loved doing it. He said, but, but what I had to point out is that it did deliberately disappear in some games. He said, but teams would put two players on him, um, yeah. and. And players who were prepared to kick, kick him off the park. So he said he had to battle through that before he could start playing. And sometimes he could, and occasionally he didn't. But yeah. it was it was a start for us. So yeah, yeah. it was. Okay, I'm sure we've got all got loads. You know, because we've got two on each. So should we should we move move on? Yes. So over to you, Charlie. Well, um, two players. One maybe was milk that turns sour, 
and the other one turned out to be double cream. They were both signed the same season and had different uh, impacts, shall we say. And the two players are Jack Rodwell, and of course it's of current interest to you both, and uh, Jermaine Defoe. I'll start off with, uh, with Jack Rodwell, uh, and I'll probably talk more about him uh, than, than Jermaine Defoe because his history and achievements are, are well documented. But I just think with uh, Jack Rodwell, whether it was just unfulfilled potential, uh, at least for the time that he was with us, we signed him uh, from Man City in August 2014, reportedly for about 10 million quid which was a fair chunk of money for us. And it was probably about making a statement because uh, Gus Poyet was the manager at the time and there were a lot of comings and goings uh, at the club, one way or another. Five-year contract and mega wages, relatively speaking. Uh, and that became a bit of an issue later on, which I'll, I'll, I'll touch on. He started promisingly. So there was a bit of optimism. And of course, we were looking at him from the point of view that he'd come through uh, the Everton setup, uh, David Moyes, whose name shall not be mentioned again, <laughs> uh, who became our manager uh, at, at, at some subsequent point. Um, so Rodwell had come through the, um, their little academy. He'd come through the international scene you know, uh, youth team level and, and so on. Uh, and then everything looked, looked rosy from Manchester City come along and snap them up. I can't remember who was the manager at the time, but it wouldn't have been Pep Guardiola. 12 million quid or so. He had injuries there. Didn't really hit it off. So again, coming back to what we were saying before, is it, you know, the right manager for you? Is it the right circumstances? Were you a bit premature in moving? Whatever it would happen to be. Um, but he was with Gus Poyet, then we had uh, Dick Advocat um, as manager. So I, I mentioned that because that was kind of like uh, two managers in relatively quick su succession. And when I, I looked it up, in the time that he was with us, Sunderland had seven managers between um, <laughs> two. 2014 and 2018 so it, it begs questions but at the end of the day you're still a professional footballer and how you you know high priced or not but but there we go uh, but he, he left us in August 2018 Charlie just a thought I think I think between that time that short period of time between the two clubs, we could have probably put a full team out with substitutes <laughs> of managers. Of managers, yes. <laughs> His record whilst he was with us, so with us four years, uh, he'd left, as I say, in August 2018, but he hadn't made a first team appearance um, since September 2017. And in total, he made 76 appearances and he scored uh, seven goals and that's probably like recognises a low return on, on four years. Uh, as I say, we had seven managers. So looking at it, you know, he had, Rodwell himself had injury issues. Maybe his confidence issues. Maybe his head wasn't in the right place. 
Um, and certainly a number of managers was bad for the club as, a, as our records demonstrates. Uh, but certainly Rodwell himself became a bit of a puzzle. Um, and he was not to become a fan favourite. Let's put it that way. I think the interesting thing is for me is that there was a bit of, uh, I'll, I'll loosely say the word hated by a lot of Sunderland fans, <clears throat> but it wasn't because of his performances. It was because he didn't play. <laughs> so he, he never, he, you know, he never really showed, showed us what, what he had, you know, in that time period. And probably the thing that people focused on was his wages. Yeah. Charlie, what, what, what was his best position? Did, did... Well, he, he, was a, he was a midfielder. Um, and there were thoughts that he started off his career as a bit of, uh, he was a centre-back. And there were talk, there was talk at some point when we were struggling at times, why don't we try Rodwell here? Why don't we try Rodwell there? But coming back to whether we should try him at centre-back, and we, we didn't do it. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's one of those sort of situations where we needed a midfield player. We signed a midfield player and he didn't cut the mustard for any number of reasons. But the cruncher was his wages. And he was allegedly or reportedly on 70 grand a week. Now, when you look at the stats, <laughs> <laughs> as you do on these occasions, you know, you find out that somebody's uh, worked out that for the number of minutes that he played for us, he cost us 4,700 quid a minute. Um, <laughs> you, you know, Charlie, you know when people start working these numbers out, you know you've got a problem, don't you? <laughs> problem, yeah. So we, we had successive relegations. The fatal mistake in some respects that we made was that he was the only player didn't have negotiated in his contract a 40% reduction in his wages if we were relegated. Um, so his agent really played a blinder on that one, and, or we were too inept or lazy or whatever. Uh, so the irony or the tragedy, he was somebody on Premier League wages but hardly putting in an appearance in the Championship. He only played two games for us when we were oh. relegated championship you know uh, we tried to offload him try to get him to reduce his wages voluntarily he wasn't having any of it and i wouldn't i wouldn't blame him and simon grayson who was managed him at one point went to a fans thing apparently and uh, was asked the question about his wages and all the rest of it and uh rod uh simon grayson's response to the guy who asked the question was well would you take a 40 percent pay cut and of course there was no answer to that, you know. So I, I don't blame him in, in that respect. Um, but certainly it was kind of like, please, you, you, you have to go uh, one way or another. And he, off he went to Blackburn, uh, played 21 times for them, um, left after his contract expired, which was for a year. Uh, but he had been offered a new deal. And there was like the ludicrous prospect, as Sunderland supporters thought, was that the rumours that Roma were interested in signing them as a kind of as a bit of a backstop for one of their midfielders who was prone to injury or whatever. So there he was for four, four or five months sitting on his hands. Then your good selves. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, I think is very good at you. you know? <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> it won't be on seventy thousand a week. No, no, no. Well, I wonder what what he was on at Blackburn, to be honest. Uh, but he uh, he started training with you, I think, it was in December two thousand and nineteen, and then he he signed a a, a, a contract till the end of the season um, in January two thousand and twenty. And of course, what's happened is lockdowns come. I don't think he's uh, he hasn't made an appearance. I don't know whether he's even been on the. Uh, the subs bench, uh, but there is a YouTube video uh, of Chris Wilder being asked about signing him, and the club blurb under the video is Chris Wilder is confident the sign of Jack Rodwell will prove to be a wise decision. <laughs> no, must be they didn't pay a lot for him. That's all. Yeah. I can. yeah. Um, will he succeed? Will Chris Wilder extend his contract uh, because of lockdown? These and other questions uh, to, be, be to be answered. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, I, I, I hold no real opinion on him because we all know that, that there's loads of sets of circumstances as to why somebody doesn't make, and we just touched on it before with, with, yeah. with uh, Kyle Norton. Um, I don't even hold anything against him because of what his, what his wages were. You know, that, that, that's up to him. There might be some stuff about his, uh, his attitude. Mm. And uh, I think Chris, Chris Coleman, I think when he was manager, had a bit of a dig at him about his, you know, uh, his approach to things and where his head was and, and so forth. But it's, uh, I just think it's one of those, again, somebody who showed promise and at the end of the day, now Next finds time. himself at the age 29 where he's been given another chance. Will he be able to take it? And, Tony's point earlier, if you've got the right manager and somebody who will stick, stick with him rather than like seven the way that we did, who knows? It, it might work for him, you know? I, th I, think, I think one thing to perhaps... Uh... I, I can sort of see the way Wilder would have thought and that's why I asked you what position he played in. Mm. A, 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 mid, a, a player who's capable of playing in midfield with a, but with a penchant for playing at the back is exactly what Chris Basham was, is what Tony was saying last week. Right. Our overlap, you know, one of, our, one of the issues that we have is how on earth do you replace two overlapping centre-backs? Most centre-backs don't know how to play that game, don't have the skills to play that game. So I, th I do think that might have been part of the thinking process of, yeah. of, of yeah. Wilder, you know, someone who's skillful. But could yeah. play at the back and then go. In fact, he did play, I think, in a cup game, um, and he did play in that role. He he, he very much played in that role um, and, and looked okay. okay but yeah. yeah, it'd be rusty, I would say. Okay, yeah. I think what we should do then um, is um, is is move. If that's all right, Charlie, move on to your next one in a, in a minute. So yeah, okay. So Jack, Jack Rodwell and. We've we've got a we've got a piece of that action, Tony and I between us. We've got an investment yeah. in that one. Yeah. And uh, you honestly good good luck to him. Honestly, good luck to him. I suspect I know it's going to end, Charlie. Yeah. Well, probably the same way as Ravel Morrison. Yeah. It's, it's worth right. worth worth a punt, I suppose. But um, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, good, yeah. the good the good news is well, there is talk of someone who won't sign because his agent thinks he's he's um, worth more. Uh, it could well be Jack, Jack Rodwell, but I can assure you, there'll be no mealy mouth comments from Wilder. His normal response is, 
if he don't want to play for us, I'll drive him wherever he wants to go. <laughs> myself, he's used that line a couple of times. Anyway, let's move on to your second bit because we're uh, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, my, my second player is Jermaine Defoe, who um, wasn't clotted cream. It turned out to be double cream, oh. and the, the, I'm, make, I'm not making a comparison between the two players. But the, but the interesting thing was they were signed in the same season, and uh, Jermaine Defoe came to us in the, the January transfer window. And he'd been playing for uh, whatever Toronto, uh, Toronto, Toronto's or, or Toronto Rednecks or something. Yeah, uh, yeah something like that. Um, but clearly, uh, a very varied career, proven goal scorer wherever he's been, uh, wholehearted player. But when he signed for us, he was thirty-three. Mm. So there were. In probably a lot of people's minds, there were, mm, is this just a, a stopgap? Uh, he's come from Toronto. Maybe he's way past his best and so forth. Well, he, he confounded all of that and he was uh, superb. Now, I qualify that by saying that we were relegated whilst he was with us. Um, he stayed with us for two years. But surely, surely that was that money-grabbing Rodwell's fault. Wasn't it? That's, that's right. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not one to point a finger of blame at anybody. <laughs> but the thing is, they're probably, I'm hardly sure they played in a team together. <laughs> no, you know, I'm the way, sure they did things, <laughs> the things went. I'm just uh, thinking your normal footballer's supporter's yeah. psyche is to say, it's all a <laughs> fault of that bloke that we don't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if he's yeah. already left us. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So he, he never let us down. He scored a fair number of goals. In fact, he scored 34 goals in 87 appearances. Now, now bear in mind the <laughs> troubles that we were going through. I, I think that's a, a pretty steady return. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we were relegated. But in the time that he was there, not only did he score goals, but he... He proved to be like a great ambassador for the club. And he got involved with a, a young lad, you may well have heard the name, Bradley Lowry. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, who, uh, well, sadly died when he was uh, only six years old. And it was, it was a childhood uh, cancer that he, that he had. And there was clearly an, an emotional attachment between the two of them. And Jermaine Defoe gave a, a lot of his time uh, to, uh, to Bradley and his parents. Uh, and it, it, it just, to me, was, it, was, uh, it, was com it was a complete surprise. Uh, because, well, I mean, circumstances like uh, this horrible thing with, uh, with, with Bradley uh, is one thing. Um, and how he responded to that. And he... I think he's either got an OBE or an MBE. I'm not, not quite sure because he, he set up his own charitable foundation. So he's 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 a he's a right-minded person. I, I, I would say, yes. somebody who you you know you can uh, uh, you can have some regard to. So I'm I'm not making a comparison between the two, but it's it's just an interesting. Is it serendipity yeah. at times? Is it somebody who comes in who's got their has got their head focused? knows exactly what they're going to do, confident because of their past you know, reputation and performance, 
and on they go and they do things in a um a very professional and committed way and that and that's that to me was was jermaine defoe yeah, yeah. now looking at it in terms of scoring goals and how people regard you he scored probably one of the best derby goals ever against newcastle when we beat them one nil and it, it turned out it was uh, it was Dick Advocat's first victory um, for Sunderland when he took over as manager. So we'd got we'd gone through a, a sticky patch, and the goal on YouTube is just absolutely superb. A volley, ball comes to him, headed on. He's probably about twenty-five yards out, something like that. Left foot, bang! It's in the net. And the thing that I like about it. And, and this is not a put-on thing with Jermaine Defoe. It was on the cusp of half-time. More or less the final whistle goes after Newcastle have kicked off. And off they go to the, to the tunnel. And he's crying. He's in tears on his way down the tunnel. And what he said afterward was, I just knew how important that goal was for the fans and, and what this match meant to them. And I thought, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, in two years, you could sort of say, at the time that he's with us, a club legend. Somebody who'd always be highly regarded. Um, somebody that people would look fondly back on. But he performed yeah. the way that, you know, um, maybe surprised a lot of people. Uh, kept himself ripping fit. Right outlook. Scored the goals. Brilliant. Marvellous. So there you are. That's Very that's, that's 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 not my comparison of the two. It's just saying. No, 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 yeah. no. I get that. And 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 I think there was some talk when we went up to the Premier League. Not talk. I don't think it was so. I don't. It was. I think it was no more than uh, fan gossip. But when when we were saying we perhaps need a bit of Premier League quality, his name yeah. his name sort of popped up a few times. Yeah, so, uh, which is which is interesting. Yeah. yeah, and he's still he's still well in terms of what happens after lockdown and the the season and next season. You know, he went from went to Bournemouth uh, uh, from us, and then he went on to Rangers. Yeah, got uh, yeah. some vital goals for Rangers. Uh, great player, great. A lot of lot of uh, respect for him. Not for him. No, sounds no. I think I think the country has as well, particularly yeah. with the stuff with with the, the young Brad, Bradley, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Okay, Tony. Okay. Take, right. take us to the final whistle. I'm talking, I'm talking cream and milk at the highest level here. Okay. I'm talking at England level. So, like you said earlier, Jeff, about the two Kyles, these two guys have had amazing careers. Mm. Loosely connect, one's loosely connected with football still and having a career. Others uh, directly involved in football and having a career, and. We can't get away from this family, Charlie, can we? We cannot get away from the cloughs. Uh, and looking, looking, researching a bit more on Nigel Clough this time. Bloody hell. Where's he born? Sunderland. Um, so I'm compare, I'm, I am comparing, really, because I'm comparing Milk and Cream, the England strikers, um, with one Michael Owen. And I'm not, and I'm not going to talk about football punditry. 
and ability for that. No. Nor am I going to mention about managerial capabilities. Um, although we've had a lot worse than Nigel Clough, I have to say. Yeah. Um, but just it's interesting to reflect on their careers and not, not that dissimilar in some ways in that Nigel spent a bit longer time with his first club, Forest, with his dad. And he had a decent enough, decent enough scoring record of about 100 goals in 300 games. So it's, it's not bad. Um, and building up his career, building up his career. And Michael Owen was with Liverpool, played 216 games, scored 118 goals. So more than one every two games. And then the kind of careers dipped a little bit. When, when Nigel Clough left Nottingham, he went to Liverpool. He preceded Michael Owen at Liverpool and it never worked out for Cluffy at Liverpool. 40 games, seven goals. I don't know, did they not take to him? Did he not take to the club? It, it, it just didn't work out. And as he left, Michael Owen came in. Um, and my abiding memory of Michael Owen is, and yours probably as well, maybe, I don't know, but as an 18-year-old in the World Cup in 98, he was more of a child, almost prodigy really, than, than Cluffy was probably. But anyway, he went to the World Cup in 98, 18-year-old. Came on a sub in some of the early matches. And then when they got through the qualifiers, they played Argentina in the next, first, first of the knockout rounds anyway. Argentina scored first early on. England then got a penalty when Michael Owen was yeah. brought down. Or dive, depending on which narrative. Well, yeah, Beckham scored with it. Beckham, I think, scored, scored the penalty. And, um, and then probably it's got to be one of the best goals scored by an England player running from his own half you know low centre of gravity perfect balance speed you know he, he shook off a couple of tackles into the box edge of the box and whacked it in the top corner what, what, a, what a start for the England career he went on to score 40 goals in 89 full England appearances. Eighth highest England striker of all time. His career dipped. He went to Real Madrid. Never, you know, it's never an easy gig, is it, going to Real Madrid? Then he went just up the road from, from you, Charlie, to Newcastle. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Gates out there, Tony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think that's when he started to suffer his injuries. So from then, and quite young, he got he got bad injury, never shook it off. Manchester United and Stoke, and his career did fizzle out. But it didn't. It hadn't fizzled out at the highest level. It proved that he could mix it and do it with, with the highest level. Nigel Clough from Liverpool. He went to Man City, four goals in 40 games. He even, he even went on loan for a game. Neither say he didn't score. I'd forgotten this, actually, until I looked it up. 
at that team, what is it, between Tuesday and Thursday, what, what's that, oh. whatever, that, whatever that day is. South, South Barnsley, South Barnsley. Oh, that's it, and he didn't score on, on one match, one match on loan. And then, it's interesting because he plays 200 ma- matches for his first club, 220 odd matches for his final club, which was Burton Albion, 16 goals. 16 goals in 227 games. So, wow. you know, wow. surprised he played 14 times for England, Nigel <laughs> and didn't score a single goal. So, both had great careers, both good players. Could be argued they're different type of forwards. Um, and, and for me, the thing that was the distinguishing factor between them they could score, given a chance, they could both score. Mm. Michael Owen was lightning pace and when he was at his fittest. Yeah. And if you take all the other things of both having a good professional attitude, which I think they probably had as players, yeah. um, they got talent, um, good characters, but that pace of Michael Owen meant that he was the actual cream of an international striker. Yeah. And when it came to the aspect of Nigel Clough, sadly, it was the milk of England strikers. Yeah. 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 I, I was just going to say that I know uh, in talking to Roger, um, my son about Owen's stay at Newcastle, I don't think he was much loved or liked by uh, Newcastle fans. Uh, again, big signing, Real Madrid. Wow, here we go. Uh, but I think he had a fair number of injuries and he was out a lot. And then I think people became disenchanted with him. Um, there were probably like stories going around about his, his attitude and, and so forth, which, you know, that's what people look for. Um, yeah. And then when he left, he, he wasn't missed. I think it's as simple as that. But of course, as you say, Tony, you know, when you've got the, uh, your past to look back at in terms of things, maybe it's wrong move for him, injuries. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He, did say, he did say he regretted, he regretted that move. But um, so it wasn't a match made in heaven, was it? No. no, no. This will be uh, an interesting contrast in a way when we get to our second half. And I know people who listen to this won't necessarily listen to the second half because they're the only ones to the football things. But there's, you know, when we're talking about were they cream or were they milk, were they class, um, as a football, I'm afraid your career has to come to an end. You know, it, it just age takes you to an end. You know, it, it, it just does. I mean, you, you know, Mick Jagger's still going at 70-odd. Um, footballers can't. So I think almost in our assessment of Cream, and that's what you've done, Tony. You say, look, there's always beyond a point where that career yeah. will fade. Tony Curry was the same. He played for Hendon and God knows who else. And, you know, but you've almost got to ignore that because that's that period of time where physically, physically, they're they're running out of of what of, of time. I think that final bit. I'm not saying it's irrelevant, but in, in, in the debate we're having, it feels a bit irrelevant, doesn't it, at the point where, yeah, you know, uh, your, 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 your point to us is, is quite rightly, two, two England players 
great potential, one of them really delivered it. Because I think what you got, what you taught, what you showed us there was, um, uh, you know, two players who can mix it at the highest level. Uh, and actually, can you put your finger on why one really was the real deal and one wasn't quite? And um, did one thing make a difference? I think what we've also seen is that such a class comes in in different forms. Um, you know, TC was just simply a class player. I mean, he really was a, a gifted uh, class player. But of course, in those days, you didn't see beyond the footballer much. There was no social media. You didn't really get to know these people. I did bump into him at the old Fiesta Club, which we discussed. <laughs> and uh, just one Saturday night, I remember, um, the rumours were he was going to Leeds and he, he, he didn't on that occasion. He did later, but he didn't on that occasion. And I remember being blind drunk with my mate saying, we're really pleased <laughs> that you didn't make it, didn't go to Leeds. And I think it was Tom Fennerty who was with him said, yes, he says thanks for that, which was basically bugger off. You know, <laughs> stop annoying us. Uh, anyway, sorry, we, I, I digress. We, di we didn't see beyond the footballer, but what you saw in G is Jermaine Defoe is a class act, both mm. in his ability to play and, and as a man. And uh, yeah. the, the country saw that as well. And that was, that was, yeah. good, to see. That was good to see. So... I suppose that's our sort of conclusion, really. It's hard to put your finger on it, but, you know, class is class, and uh, yeah. you see it in the, in, the, in the results. So, does that, does that take us to our, our, our cream and milk football? Anything else to add? Music, can we help? Okay, well, let's have a, let's have a short break, and then we'll get on to um, music. See you in a minute. Okay, carry on. It turns to blue. 